At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's our number three of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. is officially midnight Pacific, which means that if you're out here in the continental 48 states, no matter where you are, it is an NFL Divisional Saturday, which means that we've got some NFL playoff coverage for you guys. Going to be running through both of these games, giving you guys my pick, side, and total on both of these. Also going to be hitting upon as many college basketball games as humanly possible. If I don't wind up hitting on a game that you have some interest in, have no fear. Coast to Coast Hoops, the podcast I wind up doing every single day. It is now a part of the VSIM family of podcasts. You're able to get that wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, what have you. All 137 games broken down in there. If there's a game that you want me to hit upon in a little bit more depth, we've got some time to be able to hit on those at GNRSquart1 on Twitter. So taking your requests for those. Also going to be hitting upon the New York Post play in the final segment as to what I've got in college basketball as well. Wound up hitting it in the 11 o'clock hour. So going to hit it once again for anyone that may have missed it a little bit earlier and if you miss any part of the show, vcin.com slash podcast. You're able to get every single hour of every single show that we wind up doing there. Folks behind the scenes do an absolutely terrific job. Now it's time for me to hold up my end of the bargain. Let's take a look at these two playoff games. We're going to be starting with the AFC game as you've got the Bengals and the Titans who are going to be leading off the divisional round of the postseason. You've got the Bengals finding themselves a three and a half point dog. Total on this game is 47 and a half. We had Taylor Mathis, who does a terrific job over there with the Superbook. She's a host over there, and we were talking about this game a little bit earlier. She brought the thunder, and she likes the Cincinnati Bengals, and I like the Cincinnati Bengals. She was talking a little bit more about the spread with perhaps a sprinkle on the money line. I'm just going to go full money line in this spot. I do think that the Bengals are going to be able to win this game out right now. You've got Derrick Henry back in the fold, and the sample size that we saw from Derrick Henry, very, very good. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. This guy is absolutely incredible. This is also his first game since Halloween. So I do think that that's something that you want to take a look at. Now, if you're looking at his rushing prop right now, you're seeing at 79 and a half at DraftKings. Now the overjuice has minus 130. I would rather take a little bit of a higher number with a little bit less juice. I think that he's going to be able to get there. I do think that this is going to be a good spot for him to be able to rush for right around 100 yards. So I think that you're going to be in good hands there. Like I said, want to probably reduce the juice if at all possible with regards to that one. But I do think that Derrick Henry going to come out. He's going to be solid. I don't know if he's going to be quite the guy that we wound up seeing earlier in the year, though, because he was a guy that he was running for not just like 100 yards, but he was going well above that. And this is a Bengals team that I feel like the 
Defense winds up getting poo-pooed a little bit more, and I'm not sure why, because you take a look at this team, like a Trey Hendrickson, he's able to give you 14 sacks, does a good job of being able to get pressure on the quarterback. This is a front seven that I think is one of the more underrated ones in the NFL. And for Ryan Tannehill, I just don't have a lot of faith in him in general. His interception prop is right now plus 105 on the over. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Now, he's been able to rein it in a little bit more recently. He's had three clean sheets in a row, which I do like seeing. But at the same time, this guy was a turnover machine towards the middle half of the season. And this is a Cincinnati Bengals team that I do think that they've got a secondary that is going to be able to pick them off. When it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, it's not like this is a team that they wound up getting just picks left, right, and sideways or anything like that. But this is a relatively good secondary that all season long they were able to do a relatively solid job against what you were able to see. Someone like an Eli Apple is someone that wanted impressing me quite a bit. And when it just comes to the Cincinnati Bengals team in general, I do think that they're going to be a hold up against the Titans team that they've allowed quite a few sacks this season as well. For the Bengals, they were able to amass 42 sacks during the season and they were able to get 13 interceptions. Logan Wilson was, by the way, very, very good for the Cincinnati Bengals team, a guy that has been a little bit banged up in 13 games. He wound up having four picks. So this is someone that really goes under the radar, in my opinion. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Cincinnati Bengals offense and the Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow connection, just absolutely amazing. I mean, you saw them all throughout the season. Chase wound up getting 1,455 yards and 13 touchdowns. I mean, these guys have carried over the chemistry that they wound up having in college and they've been able to do a great job here in the pros. The big question is with the Cincinnati Bengals, are they going to be able to hold up with the offensive line? Because in order to get Jamar Chase, they did have to wind up skipping one of the knees that they wound up having coming into the season. That was drafting a relatively solid offensive lineman. But with that said, when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, this is not a defense that necessarily impresses me. This is a bunch of which they were able to get 43 sacks during the season. You did wind up having Harold Landry be able to step up. He was able to get the team 12 sacks. So I do give him a lot of credit. And Kevin Byard. It's someone that is able to pick off guys. He was able to get five interceptions during the season. All in all, it's a Titans secondary that is not too bad. And Joe Burrow, he himself does have some turnover tendencies. So I do think that both of these quarterbacks do have a relatively solid shot of throwing a pick in this game. But I think that when you take a look at the quarterback situation, Ryan Tannehill on one side, Joe Burrow on the other, got to be going Joe Burrow. Out of all eight postseason quarterbacks, I'd probably put Ryan Tannehill eighth in all honesty. I mean, I know that a lot of people might wind up putting Jimmy Garoppolo there, but we're going to be hitting up on it in a few minutes. Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that should not be chopped liver. He got his team one pass away from being able to win a Super Bowl. Now, I do think that with the Titans that they are going to be featuring the run a lot. I think that they're going to be taking the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands quite a bit because even with Deontay Foreman, he was able to step up for the team when he was out there for touchdowns, averaging 4.3 yards per carry in his nine games. So he was able to do a nice job there. This is a Titans team that... They are going to be able to run the ball against the Cincinnati Bengals. I would say that the Bengals are a little bit stronger against the pass than they are against the run, but it's a relatively balanced defense. When it comes to Tennessee Titans, this has been a team that part of the reason why the passing game wound up struggling towards the middle of the year is we're going to call it what it is. You wind up having injuries to a lot of the main guys. A.J. Brown wound up missing, I believe it was four games for this team. He was relatively solid all throughout the season. You wound up seeing him towards back of the year fire on all cylinders. In that game against the San Francisco 49ers, had 11 catches for a buck 45, so he proved that he's able to do it against good defenses. As we know, Julio Jones, he was out for a lot of the season, and I don't think that we've got any questions as to what Julio Jones is able to do. We've seen it from him time and time again, but when it comes to this Tennessee Titans team, 
I still do have my question marks when it comes to Ryan Tannehill. This is a front seven that they were able to get better pressure on the quarterback this year. And Mike Frabel did a heck of a job being able to coach his team up, being able to get the number one seed. I just feel like the Cincinnati Bengals have really been able to come into their own. And this is a Bengals team that they've never really been truly embarrassed in any of these games thus far this season. And when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, they've been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. And when it comes to AFC in general, I feel like the divide between the best team in the in the postseason and the worst team, it was relatively small if you wind up throwing out the Steelers, who, I mean, you wind up expanding the playoffs. Steelers wind up getting into the postseason. And, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they probably didn't deserve to be in the postseason. So we're going to call it more of the traditional one through six. I feel like the divide between those six teams was one of the smallest that we've really ever seen in the postseason because the Titans, I didn't feel like they were necessarily a great number one team. I still got my question marks when it comes to the team with the Cincinnati Bengals. I just honestly feel like they're the better team in this spot. I think that they match up relatively well with the Tennessee Titans. So I feel good about the Tennessee Titans, not just, or I feel good about the Cincinnati Bengals, not just being able to cover the three and a half year, but I feel good about them on the money line. And when it comes to the total, it is a little bit more of a horse piece situation because on one end, you do have Joe Burrow, who's been able to do an absolutely terrific job of being able to be able to generate a lot of offense. And on the other end, you do have a Titans team that they improved a little bit on defense throughout the season. And I mentioned the fact that I do like what the Bengals are able to do, but I do think that Derrick Henry is going to be able to reinvigorate this Titans offense. And when it comes to the Titans defense, I think that they're going to be giving up to the Bengals. I think that the Bengals have a good chance of being able to get north of 28 points in this game. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, we're going to bypass the points. We are going to be going with the money line with them. And then with regards to the other game that we are seeing out here in the Saturday slate for the NFL postseason, you've got yourself Packers versus 49ers. Where have we seen this playoff matchup in the past? Oh, yeah, we've seen it a lot. In recent years, you got the Green Bay Packers find themselves a five and a half point favorite. Total on this game is 47. And this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I personally wound up getting a 47 and a half on this game. I like it whether it's a 47 or a 47 and a half. You're seeing a smattering of both out there in the market. But when it comes to Green Bay Packers, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of being able to shut down Jimmy Garoppolo and company. And when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers team, big reason why they were able to get to the postseason is because they were able to unleash Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has really been the heart and soul of this 49ers team. I don't know whether they'd be without his versatility because, I mean, if you think back to the early part of the season, Raheem Mostert was supposed to be one of the better running backs in the NFL. He wound up getting, I think it was three carries. It might have been two before he was ruled out for pretty much the rest of the season. But you saw the way that Debo Samuel was utilized in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. He wound up getting 10 carries for 72 yards. He was able to have a rushing touchdown. And then on the air, he was able to get three receptions as well. They're sort of using Samuel and Elijah Mitchell sort of as like a fire and ice combination. I do like what they're doing there. Mitchell able to be a little bit more of a bell cow. He wound up having 27 carries in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. And he's received 20 plus carries in each of the last four weeks. It's very clear what the San Francisco 49ers are trying to do. They're trying to take the ball out of the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo. And you did wind up seeing bad Jimmy Garoppolo wind up coming out in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. He wound up throwing an interception. He very nearly wound up causing the San Francisco Giants to sweat it out. But fortunately, Mike McCarthy was on the other side for that team. Very fitting that we're talking about the Green Bay Packers right now because thank goodness gracious they don't have him on the sidelines or else I would have to downgrade the Green Bay Packers. But you take a look at this Packers team and you've got Aaron Rodgers on the other side. And Aaron Rodgers, 
He knows what the heck he's doing. Unlike Mike McCarthy with regards to his time management, you've got a guy in Aaron Rodgers who did a really good job of being rated. And you remember back to week one when we were saying they were like, oh no, what's happening with the Green Bay Packers? Aaron Rodgers looked absolutely terrible against the New Orleans Saints. After that game, I believe that he wound up throwing two interceptions. I mean, he was just absolutely magnificent throughout the season. And what I think is big for the Green Bay Packers as well is that this is a team that they themselves, I was talking about the San Francisco Giants and the way that they utilize Debo Samuel along with Elijah Mitchell. They've got their own good deal in Aaron Jones along with A.J. Dillon, who I think are going to be able to do a terrific job of being able to help this team out in what is going to be a very frigid Lambeau field on Saturday. We're going to be wrapping up my thoughts on Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers on the other side. Also, hitting upon all that we've got in college basketball as well. That is coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on a most wonderful NFL Saturday right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check out their current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insight on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every single game now at VEASAN.com as it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson. Going to try to give you guys as much insight with regards to these college basketball games as humanly possible. 137 games on the card for today, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Anything that you want me to hit on in these final few segments at GNRS41, I saw that we're going to be hitting upon some Mountain West action here in the next few minutes, but got to be wrapping up what we've got in the NFL as well. We'll be hitting these in the final segment with what I like on Saturday, but we left out talking about this Green Bay Packers versus San Francisco 49ers game with 49ers five and a half point underdog totals anywhere between 47 and 47 and a half. But I do think that with both of these teams, I think that they're both going to be able to move it around on the ground. I was talking a little bit earlier about how Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel have been able to be a nice one-two punch. And you take a look at the Green Bay Packers, and I do think that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, they themselves are going to be able to do a relatively solid job. With Aaron Jones, he hasn't been utilized as much with regards to a bulk role. He's had 13 carries or fewer in each other 
the last five games that he's played in, but he's been relatively effective for this team and does a good job of being able to come out of the backfield. He wound up having six receiving touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers has been able to utilize him well with that aspect. And when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers, this has been a team that has been just absolutely tenacious on defense. We're going to call it what it is. This is a team that they do a good job of being able to get a little bit of a pass rush. Now, you do have some question marks when it comes to Nick Bosa. Bosa is someone that was going through concussion protocol, but that is certainly something that you want to be taking a look at. But when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers team in general, even without Nick Bosa, which I do think that he's probably going to be good to go in this one from everything I've been seeing, he's been cleared. So I'm just going to assume that Nick Bosa is in and is going to be at 100% fire in all cylinders. But I do think that even with even if you take him out of the fold, it is 15 and a half sacks. You saw if Eric Armstead to be able to deal with. Fred Warner had been a little bit banged up towards the back half of the season as well. He's one of the top-paid linebackers in the NFL. I think that he's going to be able to come through. I think that he's going to have one of his best performances of the season as well. So I do think that these guys are going to be able to do a relatively solid job. You take a look at the secondary of this team, and it leaves a little bit of something to be desired. But Jimmy Ward, Josh Norman, these are still guys that are certainly able to get the job done. And when it comes to San Francisco 49ers, this is a team that they certainly were able to get it done against the Dallas Cowboys. You wind up seeing a nice interception from Kawan Williams, of all guys, last week. So they've been able to do a good job with guys just in this defense, always knowing the role, always being in good position. So I do think that this is going to lead to a little bit more of an under game. You wind up seeing the Green Bay Packers towards back half of the season become very much an over team. You wind up seeing towards the front half of the season, though, they were just playing under upon under upon under. So that is something that you want to take a look at. And when it comes to San Francisco 49ers, they are a team that, with regards to secondary, a lot of good pass deflections, a lot of guys that were able to do a good job with regards to coverage, but they weren't necessarily an opportunistic defense, just nine interceptions during the regular season. Now those 48 sacks, just absolutely massive for this team as you were able to have so many guys be able to step up for this team. But when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, they themselves have been able to get a little bit healthier on defense as well. You wind up seeing a lot of guys wind up being in a fold. They wind up having to deal with the Jair Alexander injury a little bit on the fly. And yet this was still a secondary that they were able to hold up quite well throughout the entirety of the season. You've got a Green Bay Packers team that they were banged up with the offensive line as well. David Bakhtiari wound up missing much of the campaign. So they were able to do a nice job of being able to fill in there. And when it comes to what you're going to be able to get in general out of this Green Bay Packers team, I do think that this is going to be a Packers bunch of which they're going to be able to play their best game in this one. I do think that you've got a Packers team that they're just going to have the best receiver in this game in Devontae Adams. Adams, a guy that just absolutely took over games throughout the entirety of the season. He had, if not a top five receiving season, a top three one. Obviously, Cooper Cup wound up outgunning him just with that regard. But Devontae Adams, everyone knows that the ball is going to be going to him and he finds a way to be able to get open. So I do think that it is going to be the Green Bay Packers who are going to be able to cover this game. I think that having this game at Lambeau Field is something that needs to be taken a look at as well because when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, they just play a little bit different when they are in Lambeau Field. So I do think that when it comes to the spot, you are going to be able to see the Packers be able to come through. And I think that both of these teams are going to be scoring 24 or fewer in this game. I think that it's going to be a little bit more of like a 21 to 14 style game. I think that the 49ers get all down by a Packers defense that is a little bit sneaky. They themselves have been able to do a good job of being able to force some turnovers. They've been a little bit of an opportunistic defense, but I do think that they have enough to be able to get it done in this spot. So I take a look at this game. I do think that the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to take down the 49ers and be able to cover this number. So I am willing to lay it here with Green Bay, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. When it comes to what we're seeing in college basketball as well, 
we've got just so many games on this college basketball Saturday to take a look at. And I know that we wound up getting a little bit of a request to be able to take a look at some Mountain West action. More than happy to do so. How about if we go 805-806 on the betting board? You've got Boise State going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against San Diego State. The Aztecs are anywhere between four and four and a half point favorites. And your Charles game, you're going to get anywhere between a 121 at DraftKings, seeing as high as a 123 out here at Circus. So we are seeing a little bit of a divide in the market, but when it comes to what you're able to get out of this Boise State team, I love the way that this team has been fighting. You've got Wade and Armis, who in the team's last game against Utah State a couple days ago, he wound up having north of 20 points and 19 rebounds in that contest. He was absolutely terrific for this team. And for San Diego State, this is going to be the first game ever since they wound up thrashing Colorado State a little bit over two weeks ago. So it's been a little bit of a pause for them. Now, they do a good job down low themselves. As you've been able to have quite a few guys be able to mix and match, be able to give you right around five plus rebounds per game. I do think that you are going to have Nathan Mensa be able to do a relatively solid job down low against Boleyn and Armas. But for Boise State, even though they have their have their free throw shooting woes, they're a team that they shoot right around 61% of the free throw line. That is a bottom 10 mark in all of college basketball. They are going to be able to overcome that because San Diego State, they've had some shooting issues as well. You do have a guy, Matt Bradley, who winds up coming in from Cal. He has been able to shoot better at home than he has been on the road. At overall, he's been able to shoot right around about 32-ish percent from three-point range with his 15 and a half points per game. I don't that shoots up north of 36.5% from distance. So that is a very important note there. But when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of the rest of the guys, Trey Pullian has been able to give you a double figure amount of points per game. But San Diego State, they themselves, not necessarily great at the free throw line. I wanted mentioning the fact that Boise State has been bad at the free throw line. San Diego State, 66.5% at the free throw line. Now, they do a good job of being able to cut teams off with regards to three-point shooting, they've been able to do a tenacious job there. You take a look at what they were able to do when it came to that game against St. Mary's about a month or so ago. They were able to do a very terrific job of being able to shut them down there. So that was a little bit of an issue for the Gales. This is a San Diego State team that they always like to be able to play slow and controlled. And this is a Boise State team that they themselves are in the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game. So I certainly think that both of these teams are going to be really not able to speed the other up. So I do take a look at this game, and despite the fact that the total is relatively low, I do think that it's probably going to be coming down to late game felling, and I do think that the late game felling is going to be able to set this one over. I did wind up setting this total at a 125, but this Boise State team has been vastly different ever since Tyson Ever since Tyson Dijonhart has been able to give you more possessions, he has been able to do a nice job being able to give this team some good on-ball defending. He wound up having a stretch in eight games. He wound up having seven of them go off for 10-plus points per game. So he was able to do a nice job with that aspect. He has been slowing down a little bit more, but you still have a guy, Marcus Shaver Jr., who wound up hitting that big three against Utah State, a guy that's able to give you a little bit over 50, or a little bit over 13-ish points per game. Ian Emmanuel Acott have really been the two primary scores for the team. I think that that's going to be enough against a San Diego State team that is going to be a little bit rusty. Wound up making Boise State the favorite, so I'm looking to bypass the points. I'm going to be taking a look at the money line in this spot, and when it comes to this total, I wound up setting the total at a 125. I think that it should be low, but I do think that late game falling is going to be able to get this one to the window with regards to the over. So we're going to be taking a look at the money line in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. How about if we wind up going with a little bit of a rematch that we are going to be seeing out there in the Mountain West as well as UNLV and San Jose State. They did wind up doing battle right around uh, about a week or so ago. They actually wound up playing that game on Monday. So no love loss between these two teams as UNLV is finding themselves 
as a very sizable favorite in the spot with UNLV. You're going to be getting them north of a 13-point favorite. And I do think that this line has went a little bit too far in favor of UNLV. I do think that UNLV is going to be able to get another outright win. I don't think that you're necessarily going to have like a revenge opportunity or anything like that. But when it comes to this UNLV bunch, I still do have the, my question marks with them being able to shoot as well as they did from three-point range in that game on Monday. And if you're looking at rotation numbers, by the way, this is 669-670 with UNLV between the 13 to 13 half point favorite. Total is between 140 and 140.5, and you wind up seeing the first game wind up going under despite the fact that you had UNLV shooting about as well as they could from three-point range. They opened up that game 8 of 10 from distance. Michael Nuga was able to chip in their 14 points. If you take a look at him in the last five games, you exclude that game, and in the other four games, he's given you a combined 17 points. You just don't know if you're going to get Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde with him, and then you take a look at Omari Moore. For the San Jose State team, a guy that's able to give you 13.5 points per game. He shoots over 40% from three-point range. San Jose State, a team that they do turn the ball over right around 14 times per game, but they do shoot north of 37% from three-point range. They are going to have some rebounding issues, so we're going to dive into that a little bit on the other side as we wrap up UNLV versus San Jose State and continue to take a look at this college basketball betting board for this Saturday as you're locked into the Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, taking a look at a few games on the other side. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VSIN.com slash podcast to get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got hardwood handicappers, the Lombardi line, follow the money by guys in the desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, which just dropped 30 minutes ago with me breaking down all 137 games on this college basketball betting board and many more. They are all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. As it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got you covered wall to wall all throughout the day here on VEASAN. It's going to be a big day, as I mentioned over 135 college basketball day games, so no shortage of fun there. And along with that as well, you're also going to be just getting all the NFL action as well. Wind up running through in the last few segments what I like in the NFL. We're going to refresh that in the final segment, along with go with my New York post play as well. So we've got you guys covered there. And when it comes to this college basketball betting board, we've ran through a lot of games. If there's anything that you want me to hit in the final segment at GR Scorty 1, I'll try to hit as many of these games as humanly possible. But how about if we go with some of the games that are earlier on the slate because you just have less time to be able to prepare for those and it's been very befuddling to watch this team so how about if we take a look at the 643 644 on the betting board oklahoma state gonna be hitting the road they're gonna be facing off against texas texas is back to being a favorite and texas is back to being a disappointment this year ladies and gentlemen you're finding them anywhere between an eight to an eight and a half point favorite Toronto's game anywhere between 125 and 125 and a half and when it comes to texas i did wind up making them a nine and a half point favorite i take a look at this oklahoma state team and I think that they're going to have their, I think that Texas is going to have their revenge on them because when it comes to this Oklahoma State bunch, they're just not very disciplined in general. They rank in the top 45 with guards possessions per game, but they don't necessarily do anything great. Oklahoma State been okay with regards to their defense, but you take a look at this team and they haven't necessarily dominated on the glass. They're a team that they turn the ball over 15 times per game. They shoot 
29.4% from three. That is in the bottom 25 in all of college basketball. They rank in the bottom 35 with regards to free throw shooting percentage. And then you take a look at what they do on defense. They're league average with regards to opponent three-point shooting percentage. You do a good job on the inside, but Musa Sise, I was expecting a little bit more out of him. Six points, five and a half rebounds per game. He hasn't necessarily been able to do a terrific job for this team. Now, what I will say is that Oklahoma State, they do force quite a few steals. This is a team that they generate right around temper contest, so that has been a good mark for the team as Bryce Williams and Avery Anderson the third. These two guys, they've been able to combine for about four steals per game. They're your two top scorers. Only two guys, despite the fact that Oklahoma State is registering in the top 50 with regards to possessions per game. They're giving you more than nine and a half points per game, so that is a big giant bugaboo for the team as well. I need to take a look at Texas. I was mentioning the fact that Oklahoma does a good job of being able to force steals. Texas, with regards to steals on a per-possession basis, one of the top teams at all of college basketball. Now, to Texas's credit, they are allowing the fewest raw points per game of any team in college basketball, 55 and a half per contest so Chris Beard has the defense dialed in but what are you going to be able to get out of this backcourt Marcus Carr has been able to step up a little bit more recently nine plus points in five of the team's last six games so he's been able to do a relatively solid job there now Marcus Carr I just never felt like was a good fit with Texas he still is not necessarily a good fit but the good news is you've got someone like a Timmy Allen to be able to help him out he's been able to get the team in ceiling after contest six foot seven ish combo player from Utah be able to give you 11.5 points, 6.5 boards per game. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to help spread the floor for the same Courtney Ramey along with Andrew Jones. Two returners from last year have been able to give you in the neighborhood about 20 points per game. It's a Texas team that doesn't necessarily shoot the three as well as we were thinking. Right around 32.8% from distance, but what they do a good job of as well is being able to push teams off the three-point arc. Opponents aren't necessarily getting a lot of three-point shots themselves. And to Texas's detriment, they've been very lucky. Something that you always want to take a look at with regards to more of a luck statistic in college basketball is opponent's free throw shooting percentage. Texas opponents are shooting 62.8% of the free throw line. That is the second best mark in all of college basketball. So if anything, Texas has actually been a little bit lucky this year. But what Texas does a good job as well, they've been able to do a good job with regards to rebound battle. They've been able to be relatively solid there. Oklahoma State has been a little bit lesser. So I do think that Texas is going to be able to win the battle on the glass. You've got a lot of Good, talented players for this Texas team. Now you've got Dylan Disu back in the fold. That should be able to give this team a little bit of spark. So I did wind up setting Texas as a 9.5 point favorite. I do recognize that both of these teams are relatively stout on defense. So that cannot be overlooked. But at the same time, when it comes to this Texas bunch, I do think that they are going to be able to get a little bit more scoring in this game just because you're going to have so many sheer possessions in this game that is going to allow for that. Oklahoma State wound up winning the first battle by double digits. Texas in that game held down to 51 points. I think that we're going to see a little bit of a reversal in this game. I like Texas to be able to get their revenge and get it in relatively convincing fashion. Set Texas as a 9.5 point favorite. So anything of single digits, I'm willing to lay it here. And also made my total 127.5 in this game. So here at the 125.5, going to be going over to go along with Texas. So I do think that they are back to not being necessarily disappointing in this game. How about if we go with a game that's a little bit more under the radar and a team that they just have not gotten the love that they deserve. 647, 648 on the bang board. Davidson going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against Fordham. The Rams of Fordham are anywhere between 10.5 and 11-point underdogs in your trial game and between 136.5 and 137 for Fordham. This has been a team that year in and year out, they have been the dregs of the Atlantic 10. They were just absolutely terrible for such a long time. But Kyle Neptune, 
former assistant of Villanova. He's really been able to turn things around. This is a Fordham team that all of a sudden they're playing a little bit more up-tempo. They do rank in the top 75 with regards to possessions per game. Now, Davidson is a very slow and controlled team. This is a Davidson team that, with regards to possessions per game, they rank in the bottom, I would say, about 75 of the country. But with Davidson, they do a good job with regards to efficiency. Top 25 with regards to fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis. That can be a little bit of a bugaboo for Fordham. As Fordham, they are turning the ball over in right around 17.5% of their possessions. So that's more around 120th in the country. But you take a look at the Davidson team. They shoot over 41% as a collective from three-point range. They're in the top five in all of college basketball at that regard on the road. They shoot over... 40% from three-point range. So whether they be at home or on the road, this team has been able to do a great job with that aspect of it. But you do take a look at Davidson, despite the fact that they are a very good offensive team. They rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball with regards to points on a per-possession basis. I do think that it is going to be a spot in which you are going to be able to see Fordham be able to hang in there. Big reason why you've got a guy in Chuba Ohms who has been terrific for this team. 13 and a half points, two blocks, 11 and a half rebounds per game. He's going to be able to tie it down down low. Now, Luka Bravich has been able to do a good job for Davidson. He's been able to give you right around seven and a half rebounds per game. Hunjun Lee has been a good combo player as well. 17 points, six boards. He should sign 30s from three-point range. And for that matter, you take a look at Davidson. Among their top six scores, all of them should at least 37.5% from distance. I have been highly impressed by them. But you take a look at the backcourt of Antonio Day Jr. along Darius Quinsenberry. Both of these teams, both of these guys give the team between 16.5 and, and 17 points per game. They both do a solid job. I'll be able to force some seals as well. So this is a Fordham team that I do think is going to be able to hold in this game. Now, Davidson, I do think that they're worthy of not just being an NCAA tournament team, but I would have them as a top 25 team. I mean, you look at their body of work headlined by that win that they wound up getting in the state of Alabama against the Crimson Tide, and it's been terrific. But I mean, Fordham has actually been a relatively good cover team this season. They've also been relatively solid to the over because this has been a team that Prior to Kyle Neptune getting there, this had been a very slow and controlled team. Now they've been able to pump up the tempo a little bit more. And with getting Kyle Roves going, shooting 37.5% from three, seven and a half points per game, this is a team that now they've got a little bit more depth now. You could use a little bit more because guys like Cameron Cunningham and company, the guys that have been coming in off the bench, have not necessarily been too terrific for this team. But with that said, when it comes to Fordham, they have been able to buckle up a little bit more with regards to their defense. They've been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to guard the three-point arc. Down low is where they've really been hurt. And Davidson, their hallmark is being able to hit their threes. Meanwhile, down low, they're not necessarily as strong. So I do think the Fordham going to be able to hold in this game. Wound up setting this line more around at six and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Fordham. I also did wind up setting this total at 142 and a half. Despite the fact that Davidson is a relatively slow and controlled team, they have been one of the most efficient in all of college basketball. Fordham is bumping up the tempo. So I do think that you're going to get a little bit more scoring than expected in this game. So I'm going to be taking a look at it and over. And I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Fordham. When it comes to the early slate with regards to college basketball, we've hit on a lot of the marquee games, but we've got one to hit on in the SEC that I think is fascinating. 621-622 on the betting board. Vanderbilt, they're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing Aggie against Florida. Florida's find themselves between a 6.5 and a 7-point favorite. Your total on this game, you're going to be getting it anywhere between a 136 and 136.5. In Florida's last game, they wound up having to play without Colin Castleton, and they were able to get the job done without Colin Castleton, but with that said, I do have my question marks if they do wind up having to play without him 
just in general moving forward because Colin Castleton, he has been absolutely tremendous for the team. Colin Castleton has been able to do a good job of being able to block some shots right around three per contest. A guy that is able to give you 15 points per game, not necessarily a stretch guy that's going to go out there and bombs away from a bunch of threes. But with that said, with regards to Florida, this is a team that they only shoot about 31.5% from distance. And it does look like it is confirmed that Castleton is going to be out of the fold. So that is going to allow Vanderbilt to be able to hang in there a little bit more. Vanderbilt, they've been without their own big man in Leo Robbins. They've also been without Ronnie Chapman, but they do have the son of a legend in Scotty Pippen Jr. that I do think is going to be able to keep them live in this game. We're going to be polishing up this Vanderbilt versus Florida game in the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience. Also going to be hitting up on my New York Post pick. I'm going to be taking a look at my side and total on both games on the NFL board that we're going to be having for Saturday. So putting a bow around everything next right here on the Greg Peterson experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VSIN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs and then on to the championship weekend. We'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com leading up to the sixth annual live big game betcast. It is the biggest game of the year, so make your plans now to join VSIN and our sports betting experts before, during, and after the action. All this is on VSIN.com as it is the final segment right here of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on the Sports Betting Network. And have no fear, we've got you covered with a little bit of everything because coming up next, it is First Strike. Dave Ross does an absolutely terrific job of that. They're going to be going through the big UFC card that we're going to be having on Saturday, the big Iganu fight, and everything else. They've got everything from the undercard to the main event. He has got you covered. Dave Ross, just an absolute ace when it comes to the UFC. I still remember the Nunes fight. He wound up taking the underdog of like $7 in that when he wound up joining me, and he wound up hitting it. So, I mean, the guy is absolutely amazing. What I am in college basketball, Dave Ross is in the UFC. So, you have got yourself covered there and all throughout the day right here on VSIN. We've got you covered with everything from... Point spread Saturday with Femi Obabefe and company taking a look forward to everything that we're going to be getting on this NFL and college basketball Saturday all the way through the end of it with the VEASAN Bet Center. And then you'll be back with me from 10 p.m. Pacific to 1 a.m. Pacific if you're looking Eastern time 1 to 4. So 
We've got a great slate that is going to be coming up. And we do have a great slate when it comes to college basketball as well that we're running through. We've got our New York Post pick that is going to be out there in the SEC. Eight or 749, 750 LSU versus Tennessee. Tennessee is finding themselves as right around a five to five and a half point favor. We've seen a little bit of a move on this game as this wound up opening up more around a four. And when it comes to the total, that's what we're looking at for the New York Post. Right now, DraftKings, we're seeing 131 and a half, seeing a lot of other 130 and a half and 131s as well. I'm going to be taking a look at the total personally in this game. You've got the top two teams in all of college basketball and Tennessee and LSU. That with regards to seals per game, these are the top two teams. You are confirmed that Xavier Pinson is going to be out of the fold in this game. He is the main point guard for LSU. And this is actually a rematch of a game that we wound up seeing a little bit earlier in the season. That was a game that did wind up going over. But I think that we're going to see a little bit of a different script here because you do have an LSU team that with regards to a point scored on a per possession basis on them, they are the number one defense in the country. A little bit shocking considering what we've seen out of this LSU team in recent years. But They've been able to turn over very much a new leaf with that. And then when it comes to Tennessee, it's a backcourt in which it's a little bit rudderless. Both of these teams, they shoot right around 325 to 32.8% from three-point range. So neither team has been terrific. And for LSU, they do a terrific job of being able to cut off the arc. Opponents are shooting 26% from three-point range off of them and 35.3% from the floor. That is by far number one in all of college basketball, even with Darius Days perhaps being out of the fold. He is a game-time decision for this game. He is a guy that has really been one of the top three-point shooters for LSU. A guy that's in six foot six, 34.5% from three-point range, 13.5 points per game. If he's out, that actually helps out the under quite a bit more as well. But you take a look at Terry Eason. He's been able to do a good job for LSU, 16 points, right around seven boards per game. But you do have to keep in mind that Tennessee is going to have out there John Fulkerson, a guy that's able to give you six boards per game. I do like his overall game. When it comes to this LSU team, you take a look at it and if Pinson and Days both wind up missing because Days, as of right now, is a game-time decision. We don't know if he's going to be able to go or not. That would be a total of 3.6 steals and right around 24.5 points per game that you wind up wiping off the map with regards to this team. Now, Brandon Murray is able to step up for this LSU team. He's able to give you a steal and a half per contest, 9.5 points per game. And for LSU, you do have Efton Reed, who's actually shooting like 45.5% from three. He's a seven-footer that has been able to give the team some good versatility, has been able to do a great job down low. And both of these teams, with regards to rebounding, they have been able to do a relatively solid job. LSU maybe allows a couple more second chances than you'd like them to, but by and large, both of these teams are able to do a good job of holding up at the point of attack. But you take a look at Tennessee, I do think that they should be a 5.5-point favorite in this spot just because when it comes to... Not having out there Xavier Pinson, that makes a little bit of a move. And then if Darius Days winds up going, he's going to be at a little bit less than 100%. That is a big no. Now with Josiah Jordan-James, he has a game-time decision for this game as well. A guy that for Tennessee has been a little bit of Josiah cheat suffer. Not a guy that necessarily excels in one thing, but he's a not necessarily a master of one thing, but a good Swiss Army knife of many, for lack of a better term. Six and a half points, five and a half rebounds, a little bit over a steal and a block per game. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table for this team. Was expecting more out of Justin Powell, though. A guy that has shot 40% from three, but I was at Auburn last year in the like 12 or so games that he wanted to play. He was really the team's top scorer. This year, he's only been able to give you right around six points per game. Brandon Huntley-Hartfield has been a little bit of a disappointment. Looked like he would be able to give you some good early production. He has yet to be able to do so, so that's been a little bit of an issue. And Victor Bailey is down to right around three and a half points per game. He's become a little bit of an afterthought for this offense, so you're going to be really flowing things 
through Kennedy Chandler along Santiago Vescovi. They're 27 and a half points per game and right around eight assists per game. So I do think that the Tennessee backcourt is a little bit one-dimensional. They do a great job of being able to generate seals, but neither of these teams really light it up from three-point range. Neither of these teams are necessarily set with regards to free throw shooting. I think that defense is going to be on full display in Knoxville. Did wind up giving up for the New York Post this total under. I wound up saying mine at 127 and a half. So I do think that got some relatively solid value there and when it comes to LSU I would need north of five and a half to be able to take a shot on them so right now seeing mostly fives out there one late here with Tennessee to go along with that and when it comes to the NFL we want running through these a little bit earlier in the hour but we've got both Saturday games handicapped my side for both and the total with regards to the Green Bay Packers versus the San Francisco 49ers game, I'm taking a look at this total under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Green Bay Packers laying five and a half points. Nick Bosa is good to go for the San Francisco 49ers. They should be all good to go with regards to that South defense. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I think that he's going to be able to pick them apart. He's going to do a good job of being able to dink and dunk. The A.J. Dillon along with Aaron Jones duo out there in the backfield I think is really going to be able to excel I do think that both of these defenses are going to be on full display we got a little bit more of a frigid day out there in Lambeau Field the 49ers I think is going to try to utilize Debo Samuel as a little bit of a change of pace back they've been doing a great job of being able to mix and match with him you got a guy in Elijah Mitchell's gotten the ball at least 20 carries in each of the last five games with Jimmy Garoppolo you just don't know if he's going to throw that interception or not. You do wind up seeing it against the Dallas Cowboys. If there was a better coach on the other sideline for the Dallas Cowboys, who knows what winds up happening in that game. But you're going to be probably seeing a little bit more of a defense-oriented game. I think that you're going to see the Packers be able to get to right around 21, perhaps 24 points. But I think that the 49ers get held down by a Green Bay Packers defense that they themselves have dealt with quite a few injuries this year. The Jair Alexander injury happening early in the season wound up setting this team a little bit behind, but they were still able to overcome that. They have now a little bit more of a full offensive line as well. So I do think that the Green Bay Packers are going to look to take the pressure off of Aaron Rodgers by being able to utilize that ground game. And when it comes to Green Bay Packers as well, they perhaps are going to have Jair Alexander out there in the lineup for the first time in quite a while. When you've got guys like Kenny Clark and company, they're able to get to the quarterback. I do think that it's going to lend itself to a lower scoring game. Looking at the under, willing to lay five and a half with the Green Bay Packers. And then in the other game, I don't think that you're going to need the points with regards to the underdog. I like the Cincinnati Bengals outright. We were joined by Taylor Mathis in the first hour of this show. We are in lockstep on this one. She's looking a little bit more at the spread with a sprinkle on the money line. I'm just looking full money line. I think that Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase is going to be a big time combination in this one. Chase, 1,455 yards during the regular season. And you got a Cincinnati Bengals team that has been able to do a good job of being able to get pressure on the quarterback. Frankly, both teams have. You've got a Titans team that they were able to accrue 48 sacks during the season. But you take a look at the Tennessee Titans defense. It has been very much intermiss. They were able to do a relatively solid job towards back half of the season. In the front half of it, it certainly did leave a little bit of something to be desired. But you even take a look back at it, the fact that they did wind up lying 25 points to the Houston Texans, that is a little bit of a white flag for me. I do think that the Bengals have a offense that is just starting to absolutely explode. I do take a look at this total, and I do think that there's relatively good value here to the over because you do have a Bengals team that even when with regards to the ground game, Joe Mixon has been able to do a terrific job for this team. Didn't necessarily have the biggest of performances against the Vegas Raiders, but with that said, this is still a guy that's able to catch a ball out of the backfield, be able to give this team a little bit of a change of pace there. And then with the Titans, having Derrick Henry back is absolutely massive for them. No question, but 
With Derrick Henry, is he still going to be at full 100%? I fully expect him to be able to get 100 yards. I think that they're going to feed him the ball. But also, when you wind up having a guy out for so long, you wind up putting him back in. You wind up getting away from what wound up making you successful. It does wind up leading to a little bit of a lack of chemistry as well. And then when it comes to the defense perhaps scoring, Ryan Tannehill has been a little bit of a turnover machine. Here in recent weeks, he's been looking a little bit better, but there's always that fear because I think out of the eight remaining quarterbacks in this postseason, Ryan Tannehill is number eight on the list for me that he does wind up making that bad turnover that does wind up costing the team the game. The Bengals maybe run it back for a pick six and the Titans say themselves only wound up getting nine interceptions during the regular season as well. So it's not necessarily a team that does a great job of being opportunistic. So I take a look at this spot. I think that the Bengals get 28 plus in this game. I like them on the money line and I like this total over and what I absolutely love is everything that we've got on VEASAN on tap for what is going to be an absolutely tremendous Saturday. We've got you covered wall to wall and coming up next, you're going to get some great UFC coverage from Dave Ross. He's going to be hosting First Strike and that is coming up next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.